I'm so glad that you have joined us today as we celebrate Easter together, as we celebrate Jesus and his resurrection together. Today is, if you haven't noticed, a family service, and we have people of all different ages who have joined us today, and that is more than welcome. As I'm doing a little bit of teaching up here, if there is some competition A little bit of noise out there, that is quite all right. And I guarantee that I will get bigger and louder than whoever is trying to compete with me. Uh, If, parents, you're like, I just can't do this anymore, I do want to remind you, we do have a family room available that is outside and right up these stairs, and you can go there and the service is on uh, in that family room. Well, as I said, my name is Matt and I'm the pastor here. And I'm so thankful that you're here with us this morning. And as the pastor, I get to declare from the front, he is risen. That was good. But I caught some of you off guard. So we're going to try that again. Are you ready? He is risen. risen And today is one of the 365 days of the year when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the difference that it makes in our life. Because Jesus' death and resurrection make all the difference. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, people who are spiritually dead become spiritually alive. People who are spiritually guilty become innocent and righteous. People who are spiritually sick become healthy. We're here to celebrate that today, and I want to focus in on the Bible's teaching this morning that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can be raised to new life and be raised to new life that is a part of the family of God. We can be adopted by God. Think about that for a minute. Because of what Jesus has done, we can be adopted by God and called his children. Think about what a blessing human adoption is. When a child is adopted, they go from outsider to insider. They go from outsider to someone who is loved sacrificially, someone who is belongs, who now belongs, someone who finds a home. I read this week about a young man named Anthony in the Denver area. And Anthony just turned 14 as he sat in the police station waiting to be processed. He'd been in the foster care system his entire life and had been in 12 homes and 21 different schools by the time he turned 14. He was hard to handle, and by 14 he had become a regular guest of the police departments around Denver. This time he was sitting in a police station because he'd broken into a middle-aged couple's suburban home. Anthony had walled himself off emotionally from others. All of the movement from home to home and from school to school had communicated to his mind and heart that he was not acceptable, not fit anywhere. So he didn't let people in. On this occasion... The couple whose house was broken into happened to be at the police station giving a report to the police while Anthony was there. The husband, Jeff, looked at Anthony and felt for him as he saw him sitting there and he tried to talk to Anthony. Anthony was unresponsive. 
But Jeff and his wife, Alexa, had already raised two adult children, and so he knew how hard-headed teenagers can be. He was undeterred, and he kept trying to have conversation with Anthony. All the while, Anthony just kept staring at the floor. But before they left the station, Jeff broke through. And Anthony began to talk to Jeff about his favorite subject, football. Anthony wound up spending three months in a juvenile detention halfway house. And Jeff and Alexa began to visit Anthony every week, sometimes multiple times in a week. At first, conversations were only about football. But with every passing visit, the conversations grew deeper and deeper and more personal. As the time came close for Anthony to be released, Jeff and Alexa told him that they'd begun the process of trying to adopt him. A process that would wind up taking several months. And Anthony was almost 15 when he moved into his new house with his new mom and dad. In an interview with their pastor, Jeff and Alexa said, there have been a couple of challenges in the few months since Anthony moved in. But they affirm that since adopting him, there have been way more pluses than there have been minuses. Anthony's been learning new skills and participating in new activities. He now doesn't just talk about football, he plays football for the school's football team. He helps with the cooking around the house. He and Jeff have taken up archery together, and they go and participate in archery together. Anthony said that for 14 years, he didn't think that he belonged anywhere or that anyone wanted him. But for the first time, he knows exactly where he belongs and who wants him. Anthony's adoption changed everything in his life. His old life ended and a brand new life started. It saved him out of that old life. It brought him to a place where he knew the sacrificial love of parents. It brought him to a place where he belonged and had a home. And as I read about Anthony and about the adoption that took place here, it reminds me in some ways of God's adoption of his children. Where God adopts children and they leave their old way of life and enter into a life where they are loved and where they belong. Galatians chapter 4 is a chapter in the New Testament that talks about God's adoption of his children. It says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Did you catch it in there? God sent his son so that we might receive adoption into the very family of God. And the first thing we notice in this passage and throughout the Bible as we read it is that we can only be adopted into God's family through Jesus. We can only be adopted into God's family through Jesus. Before Jesus saved me, I was not a part of the family of God. God is love. 
He's not just loving. God is love. He is truth. He is righteousness. He is justice. And his family is called to be a family that is perfect in their love and their justice and their truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, God made me to be in his image so that I perfectly reflected all of those characteristics. But like every other human being throughout the history of the world, I was born living life my own way instead of God's way. Instead of perfectly reflecting the image of God according to his design, I lived in sin and I lived in selfishness. And this opened up this gap between me and between God and between God's family. I could tell that I didn't live up to everything that God called me to by the time I was seven years old. Many of you have that same story. By the time you were five, six, seven years old, you could tell that you didn't live up to God's calling in your life. I knew that God is truth and that he made me to always be truthful in my dwelling, in my interactions. And yet, as a seven-year-old laying there on my bed, I could think of all of the times that I had lied to my parents and to others. Sometimes I even got caught. I knew that God is love and that he had designed me to be perfectly loving towards others, thinking of them first, putting them first. And yet in my interactions with my little sister, were they primarily dominated by love? Where I was like, yes, Michelle, I'm going to put you first and seek what is best for you in all things. No, as I lay there on my bed as a seven-year-old, I knew that so often my attitude towards my sister was selfish and even at times mean-spirited. I knew that God is the center of the universe and was meant to be the center of my life. And yet, as I lay there as a seven-year-old, I knew that day in and day out, I lived with my wants at the center of my life. I, I fell short of the, what God wanted for me when he made me. I fell short of God's character, and the gap wasn't a small gap. Because God is infinitely good infinitely loving, infinitely truthful, I fell infinitely short of his standard and of having relationship with him. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about my life before Jesus saved me and your life before Jesus saved you when it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature's children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Before Jesus saved me, I was not a part of his family that has spiritual life, not a part of his family of obedience and blessing. Instead, I was dead spiritually in my sins. Not only that, I was a child of disobedience and a child of wrath, a child who had the punishment of God that rested upon me for my sins. And since God is infinitely good and loving, I fell infinitely short of what was needed in order to be in relationship with him and be a part of his family. How could I get from over here to over there? 
How could I cross that infinitely wide gap created by my sin in order to enter into a relationship with God as my father and be a part of his family? What could I do? Well, the Bible teaches us that there is nothing I could do. No way that I could be good enough in order to cross that gap. It also teaches us that it is only through Jesus and the work of Jesus that that gap can be bridged and we can enter into relationship with God and be a part of his family. It's the only way. And Jesus is the only one who could ever bridge that gap because he is the only one who has ever been fully God and fully man. As we read this verse, we see, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The Bible again and again refers to Jesus as the Son of God, the only Son of God, the one and only Son of God. And when the Bible refers to Jesus as the Son of God, what is it communicating? The primary thing that it's communicating is that the Father and the Son share the same nature. Because a Father and a Son always share the same nature. Each and every time. I have a dad. His name is Dan, and he and I share a lot of characteristics and qualities. Uh, we both have blue eyes. We both have the same last name. We both have a passionate and burning love for the Timberwolves, which is finally paying off. <laughs> but the thing that we share that is most important is our nature. As a father and son, we are both human beings. And that is always true of a father and a son. There are no fathers who are cats and then sons who are human beings, or fathers who are human beings and sons who are trees. That's not the way it works. Father and son always share the same nature. And when we hear that, son of God, what is being communicated to us? The father and the son share the same nature. As the father is divine, creator, infinite judge, so the son is divine, creator, infinite judge. Right? They share the same nature. Jesus is God, fully God. But this passage goes another line beyond that and says, born of a woman. He's not just fully God, he is also human, fully human. And it is only the one who is fully God and fully human who can save us from our sins and bring us to a place where we can be a part of the family of God. Because that gap is an infinite gap. It needed to be bridged by an infinite sacrifice. How many infinite beings are there in the universe? Right? Only one. Only one. And so it had to be God that bridged this gap. Sometimes the Bible refers to the difference between the life God made me to live perfectly in his character and the life I've actually lived of sin and selfishness as my debt, my debt of sin. And it is an enormous debt of sin. Who could pay that debt? There's no human being that could pay that debt. It had to be infinite God who paid that enormous debt. And yet, it wasn't God's debt to pay. It isn't God's sin that have created this gap. 
And so the sacrifice that was needed needed to be made on behalf of humanity. The debt that needed to be paid needed to be paid on behalf of humanity. It needed to be an infinite human being who paid the price so that we could be a part of the family of God. How many infinite human beings have there been? It is only the God-man, Jesus Christ. And because he's fully God and fully man, he is the one who can bridge the gap and bring us to God and bring us to his family. And when we're saved through Jesus and are adopted into God's family, there are so many blessings that are ours once we are adopted into that family. Look at some of the blessings that this passage talks about. When we're adopted into the family of God, through adoption we receive close relationship with God. Close relationship with God. Those who have been adopted into God's family can call him Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, Abba is an Aramaic term. You may think it's a Swedish term, but it is, in fact, an Aramaic term. That's the language that Jesus and his disciples spoke 2,000 years ago. And what does it mean? It is the close and personal term for one's father. It might be best translated as dad. Dad. I have a father. I just told you his name is Dan. And when I speak about him, I may refer to him as my father. But when I speak to him, I always call him dad because we're closer than me calling him father. I, I don't say, Father, what are your thoughts about? Father, I really appreciate you and mother. No. We're closer than that, and so what do I say when I address him? Dad. Dad, I love you and mom. Dad. Dad, what do you think about? Because that term is closer and more affectionate. And what we see here is those who have been adopted into the family of God have not been adopted into a family where God stands and keeps his kids at arm length and says, stay over there. We've been adopted into a family where God calls us to call him Abba. He says, I want you to call me dad. I want you to be close to me. As a father, that's my heart for my kids. Yesterday, my 23-year-old daughter took me to the zoo. And we walked around the zoo like when she was five years old and looked at the animals together. And as a dad, there is no better time than that, than to just get to be with your kid. Later on this week, I think I'm going to have an opportunity to go to a college track meet my son is competing in. And I'm looking forward to watching him do track. But friends, as a dad, what I'm really looking forward to is having dinner with him afterwards and getting to hang out with him. Because as a parent, there's nothing we want more than that closeness with our kids. Is there anything better than when they're little and they climb up into your lap to spend time with you? And God, as loving and perfect father, wants his children to draw close. He says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you because he is Abba, dad, father. Through adoption, we receive a close relationship with God. Friends, through adoption, we also receive a new spirit with new desires. God sends his Holy Spirit into our lives when we're adopted into his family 
And that new spirit cries out for new things. It cries out for God and the things of God. It's a brand new spirit within us that has new desires, that desires God and the things of God. And that brings transformation into every area of our life. And that is the only way that real and lasting transformation can take place in our life when we are changed from the inside out. I think I have shared with you before that when I was in elementary school, I was hygienically challenged. All that mattered to me day in and day out when I went to school was the football game that was going to take place at recess and whether or not my team won that football game. And, and so all that mattered to me was dressing appropriately for that football game. So I wore sweatpants and baggy, grubby t-shirts every day when I went to school. I showered rarely. I never combed my hair. What was the point? And when I was growing up, my parents would often speak to me and say, you know, you should do this, and you should do that. And when they did, I might change for a couple of days and do something different. I might wear a different pair of clothes for a day, but pretty soon I slipped back into all of those hygienically challenged patterns. And then one day, late in elementary school, I began to recognize that there were some girls that were cute. There was a new set of desires that came about inside. And all of a sudden, my life began to change. I began to shower every day before I went to school. I went to my parents and asked if we could get some clothes that weren't grubby sweatpants and t-shirts for me to wear. I began to comb my hair. I even asked if for the first time ever, we could get a professional to cut my hair. <gasps> no bowl? What? All of a sudden, everything in my life began to shift because I had a new set of desires within me. And when we are saved and brought into the family of God and adopted as his children, his spirit comes to reside within us, begins to change our hearts so that we have a new set of desires in us that brings transformation to our entire life. And it's the only way that real transformation takes place is when God transforms us from the inside out. Through adoption, we receive a new spirit with new desires. It desires God and the things of God. And the final blessing we see when we are adopted through adoption, we receive a forever inheritance. When we are adopted into God's family, we become heirs in the family of God. And as heirs, we receive an inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that we are saved to this inheritance. It's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. How big an inheritance do we get from God? How big an inheritance would the inheritance that an heir receives from God be? I want to remind you that as a general principle, the size of an inheritance is proportional to the how much parents have. So if my wife and I 
If we were to die today and leave our kids an inheritance, what would they get? They'd get some old golf clubs, a lot of old books. I got a lot of old books. They'd get a couple of cars that have dents in them. And honestly, that would serve them right. They put most of the dents in them. (laughs) And some other knickknacks and stuff. But let me tell you what they wouldn't get. What they wouldn't get is tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars because their parents don't have that. And as a general rule, the amount that a child inherits is proportional to how much a parent has. Now, what does that make you think about when you apply that to the inheritance that you receive as a child of God? How big an inheritance will you receive from God? As an heir of God, how great is that inheritance? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, It's an inheritance that is never going to perish. It's never going to be tainted. And ultimately, the joy involved will never fade. Through adoption, we receive a forever inheritance. Which leaves us with one final question. What do I do? in order to enter into that inheritance? What do I do to be adopted into the very family of God? What do I do? We've already said that the only way that can happen is through Jesus. And so, what's my responsibility in this? The answer to that is that we are to place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, our Lord, and our King. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 talks about our inheritance. The very next verse says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are saved by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We are adopted into God's family by trusting in Him as our Savior and our Lord. We are guarded through faith. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus puts it like this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says the kind of rest for our souls, the innermost place in us, that can only be achieved through adoption into the family of God, can be ours if we come to him. If we take on his yoke, which is an illustration of becoming his disciple and coming under his leadership, only in that situation can we enter into the family of God as his adopted children. So we come to him and we submit our lives to him as Savior, King, and Lord. Baptism is a way that we visibly express what Jesus has done in our life. We've placed our faith in him and he has brought us into this new family and baptism is the way in which we visibly say, look at what has happened in our life. Look at what Jesus has done. And we're going to have people who enter into baptism. Baptism does not save a person from their sins. It's an expression that Jesus has saved them from their sins and they have entered into that adopted family. And we're going to have some baptisms coming up here in a minute. 
If God has been working in your heart and you want to be baptized today, I just want to encourage you to not let that go by. Uh, Tracy is here somewhere. Wave your hand, Tracy. Oh, there she is. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for standing, too. I don't know if I ever would have saw it. Tracy is here and would love to talk to you if you need to give your testimony to somebody today and come forward to be baptized. And we have several people that we plan to baptize today, and we are excited about that. For those who have entered into relationship with Jesus, who have been baptized in order to declare, I'm a part of the adopted family, Jesus has given us something regularly that we participate in called the Lord's Supper, where we take bread and we take the cup in order to recognize what he's done in order to make us a part of his family. And so I want to encourage you to take out the cup that has the bread attached that you received when you came in. And we're going to sing Jesus' praises, continue to worship God in song. And when you are ready, okay, listen carefully to me because it's a little different than we normally do it. When you are ready... Go ahead and take those elements. You don't need to. I'm not going to come back out and lead us all at once. When you're ready, go ahead and take those elements today as we continue to worship Jesus in our song and in the Lord's Supper.